Brett's going to work a uh, presentation thing up there for me. All right, perfect. So, uh, yeah, so I'm Matt. I'm here because uh, Larry's on vacation in a nice, warm place that I'm sure has weather just like here today. But uh, um, so uh, we're going to be talking today about skewed, how God has set the stage of our life and our experience to establish a relationship with you. And, uh, man, it's just so cool. Um, you know, didn't coordinate ahead of time, but it's it's so cool how it fits perfectly with the songs we just sang, right? Um, we all want to have a relationship, right, with God. And in relationships, you want to know that that other, that other person or being is, is pursuing you, right? And that song about leaving the uh, 99 to go chase down the one, right? That, that reckless love. That's, that's really kind of what we're going to be talking about here, how God has basically tilted the landscape to draw us into relationship with him in a few different ways. So um, I'm not a uh, eloquent speaker. I'm not a theologian. I'm not, you know, don't do this all the time. So I use, I use a little bit more pictures that are going to be a little bit more based up here. So if you can see, that's great. And I'm going to have uh, up top, we'll be asking them to uh, advance the slides as we go. Um, maybe if I was better at talking, I wouldn't need as many pictures, but uh, you guys will probably appreciate that. So anyway, uh, skewed, that's the title of this. Um, yeah, you can go to the next one. Perfect. So we talk about relationships, right? Um, we're going to talk about, you know, God, and then we're going to just use Bob as kind of a metaphor for you or me or just us as a group. All right? So the relationship of God and Bob, and there's a little bit of a, you know, God's on one side, we're on the other. You kind of both move a little towards the middle, and you have this God plus Bob relationship in the middle. All right? So anybody ever hear that 70s song? Darling, if you want me to be closer to you, you guys remember the rest of the words? Move closer to me, right? Yeah, all right. So uh, maybe that's kind of accurate, maybe not. So we'll talk about that a little bit today. Um, first, we're going to play a little game. If you can go to the next slide. So competition, all right? So if you guys remember last time we were up here, we talked about God in the context of science and stuff. So it's going to be a little interactive. Let me just get away from the – did my mic just turn off? No, it's okay. Um, it's going to be a little bit interactive. You know, this is a relationship between uh, me up here and you guys. So I want you all to think of your favorite subject from school, and on the count of three, we're going to say it out loud. And whoever's the loudest, we get to talk about God in context of that subject. Ready? Okay, so everybody got their, got their favorite subject? All right, one, two, three, statistics! Oh, you know what? Let's see. Who's the winner? Let's go to the next slide. Hey, the winner is statistics. All right? <laughs> yeah, boring, right? Now, you guys are going to want to cry foul on that. You're going to say, wait a second. You just skewed it, right? You made up the rules, and you know you had a microphone, so you were going to be the loudest, right? I didn't put any backup slides in there. I was so confident in this. I didn't even put any backup slides for, for science or for math or for English or history. I knew we were going to talk about statistics, and I knew that no one else was going to say statistics because nobody likes statistics but statisticians. So we're going to keep it nice and simple. We're not going to talk about standard deviations. We might talk a little bit about that one. It means mu. That means mean. All right? But it'll be real simple. Don't worry. Lots of pictures as well. Okay? So let's move to the next, the next slide. So we're going to talk about the most basic thing of statistics. Mean and median, right? Anybody ever hear these terms before? Probably get a little confused between them. You know, both roughly mean, like, what are we assessing? What's the median? No. So I got five people up here. Let's imagine that these five people make up all of Kodiak Island. Kodiak has a population of five, okay? And this is how much each of these people makes per year, okay? Down here at the bottom, we got Bob. He's making 40K a year. 
Jim makes about $100,000 and some in between. Now, the way we figure out the average of these, and if you do quick at math, you realize I accidentally had a uh, typo right here with 670, but that's supposed to be 70. Um, so the average is about $68,000. And the way we get that is we add all these up and then we divide by five, okay? That's pretty simple. And then the median is just you know, think of that like the middle. So we line all these people up in order from least to greatest. And the median is that middle person, Jan. She makes about $70,000. And because these are fairly evenly distributed, um, the median of 70K is pretty close to the average of 68K. All right? Now, let's say two more people move into Kodiak. All right? Um, let's go to the next slide. We got Dan in the middle. He makes about 75K. That looks pretty close to the middle, right? Okay, so he has a little bit of influence on the total. But then on the right, this guy in the tuxedo, that's uh, Elon Musk. He said, I love electricity. I love electricity so much, I'm going to start a company called Tesla that makes electric cars. And I heard Kodiak has 100% renewable electric energy. That's a place I want to live. Because we got windmills up here on Pillar Mountain, and we got Terror Lake that makes the uh, uh, electrical power for most of the city. Right? He thought, oh, I'm going to come to Kodiak. So when he shows up, with his $2.2 billion per year. I, I think that's what he made in 2018, at least. Uh, tease your data a little bit. All of a sudden, if you look at the average of Kodiak Island, the average person on Kodiak Island makes $314 million. Is that accurate? No, I mean, nobody on here makes more than 100K, except for Elon and Eric over there on the left, or on the right, right? So what he's done is he's his influence is so great that it's skewed the data. If you look at the median down here, it's about 75K. Dan barely, barely made it budge when he moved in, kind of in the middle. And that's why a lot of times if you ever hear like uh, economic data for the, for the country or whatever, they say, what's the median income in the country? It's because when a few billionaires can skew the data for the entire country and then it, it makes it sound like we're all rich when in reality we may not be, right? So what does that look like in total influence, right? So if you can go to the next slide. So total contribution to the Kodiak economy, we got Mr. Musk over here and his $2.2 billion. And then there's all the rest of them over here. There's Bill and Dan and Jill, and they, they all make a total of $515,000. In fact, this is, <laughs> well, this is so small over here. In fact, these are little tiny slivers. You can't even see, right? I just made them bigger. Just You'd have to zoom in on those to even be able to see those in the, in the scheme. $2.2 billion, $500,000 handover, right? But that doesn't mean that Jan and Bill and Dan didn't work all year long to make that money. That was their contribution, right? Okay, so even though it's tiny, even though it's really small, it doesn't mean it didn't exist. It didn't mean that they didn't work to contribute, right? So anyway, let's, uh, let's move to the next slide. So there's a smart guy named Aristotle. What does this have to do with God and stuff, right? Um, talking about numbers. There's a smart guy named Aristotle. He was a philosopher back in about 350 B.C. Um, and he had a saying that we like to kind of repeat now at a uh, uh, virtue or perfection, whatever you're looking for, is, is a mean between two extremes, right? A mean or kind of the average, right? So it can be skewed. And we have this God and Bob relationship. I'd say they're on two extremes, us and God. So maybe we can, we can apply some of that, okay? So let's look at like the total of the relationship, like who contributes to this. So we're going to look at all the stuff that goes into that. Can you go to the next slide? So the total environment that makes up, you know, kind of our relationship, we got a bunch of things. we got nature, it's all around us. Society, there's Jesus, that's a big thing, right? The Bible, our church community, government. 
These are all things. So we're going to look at the contributions each of us have into this total relationship with God. Okay? Go ahead and go to the next slide. So we'll start out with God's contributions. So we've got God over here on the right, Bob on the left. God's moving a little closer to us. He's got nature, all right? I'd say he's in control of that. I'd say he created all that, right? So that's basically on his side of the court. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies above proclaim his handiwork. You know, we talked about that in kind of in the, in the scientists a little while ago, right? How God has built arrows pointing to himself in all of nature through the things that have been made, right? To, to reveal his character through his creation. So much so, if you read Romans, verse 120, this is uh, directed at people who are not believers, people who kind of reject the idea of God. They're looking for their own wisdom instead. This says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived, being understood through what has been made, so that there is no excuse, or so that they have are without excuse. What it says there is, hey, nature is enough. I've made it obvious enough for y'all to see just by what I've created that I'm, you know, divine nature, eternal power, right? Good thing he didn't stop there, though. I mean, think of how many of us would have perceived that way. Maybe, you know, that's one of the things I love about living in Kodiak here. We are surrounded by nature. One of my favorite things is to drive down the, down the road. We live on the base, so when we leave church here, we drive down the road, and on days where you can actually see uh, above a few hundred feet when it's not cloudy, you're driving down the road, and there's this part as you're on the way from town to the base where, like, the road is, like, kind of coming down, and the uh, the uh, pine trees are all, like, lining the road, and then you look, and there's barometer mountains, like, sticking right out from the back. And I love just seeing that and looking at it and going, man, that is so good. Because, like, it doesn't matter what I do. My whole life, still going to pay in comparison just to barometer mountains. And you guys all know that that's not even a big mountain, right? But you get to see just the I think maybe that's why a lot of times our heavily populated cities maybe have like a less percentage of uh, believers in them. Because when you walk around a city block, everything's obscured by these giant man-made structures, right? You can't even see the sky at night because there's so much light. You don't even get to see the stars. It's kind of tough to see nature and see God in these things when you're surrounded by all man-made stuff. So here in Kodiak, we're lucky like that, right? So anyway, that's, that's nature is one of God's contributions. Go to the next slide. Society, well, and we don't have a small contribution to society. God has a small contribution. But I think God has, I think we can see, has shaped that more so, right? So cultures and society across the globe, and not so much just society, but I'm talking about the underlying norms in society, the, what we call norms, the stuff that we have this feeling in our gut that there is a right and a wrong. And we build these societies to put some structure there, that right versus wrong, Okay. Often that friction of right and wrong is what causes us, when we see something that's wrong that we don't like, causes us to investigate, why does that, why can I not ignore that feeling in my gut that this isn't okay? By thinking there's something wrong, that means there must be something right. And a lot of times that friction causes us to look to the basis for that being wrong, which is God, right? So even the fact that we have friction in our societies, and we're seeing a lot of it right now, draws us back to this idea of, well, what is right? And then that's going to cause people to look deeper and deeper into something they might not even have seen before. And they're like, you know what? I think God has a part to this. He's morally right or something like that. So that's pretty powerful. Okay? Let's go to the next one. 
Now, we're really lucky here in the U.S. Larry has hinted at some of that earlier. I mean, in our society, we have these things that actually are pointing back to God pretty overtly, right? We got our Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right there, very obviously, that we all are equal and that God is our creator. We are created, right? That's from the very basis of it. Constitution. The Constitution it set up a framework of government so that we could have fair treatment, that we could have certain freedoms, that the government wouldn't become too powerful, and that we actually control who's in the government so that we can exercise those freedoms. That in the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments of the uh, Constitution, guarantees us those things like freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to assemble, that kind of stuff. Stuff that if you look at the, you know, sometimes we take these for granted. We just keep going and going about life, you know, kind of with our blinders on. And we look at this and say, like, it causes people to look back and say, well, what am I really fighting for? Let's look and see what the basis of that was. Well, that we were created, we have a creator, that we have some freedoms. To have freedoms would imagine that we aren't just robots that are either going on with what God told us to do, like just sort of pre-programmed robots, or that we're robots that are just going along with, you know, I've heard the term dancing to our DNA. Like just, we aren't even really thinking, it's all, you know, based on evolutionary theory, and we're just sort of reacting to outside uh, um, stimulus, okay? So by this friction that we see, it causes us to go back and look at the basis of it. Maybe the drive will take us there. Well, so the next slide. The Bible, oh my gosh, going under, you know, undershoot that. We got the Bible, one of the most circulated works of literature ever. About five billion copies have been circulated. Two and a half billion of those just in the past 50 or 75 years. Um, about 350 different languages it's translated into fully, even more beyond that in partial amounts. Um, the Bible itself is a miracle. 66 books written by more authors than that spread across a few thousand years to give a coherent picture. Like, that is an amazing thing to me. And today, if you're searching for God, the problem is not that you can't find a Bible. That is not an issue. Access to Bibles is just essentially universal right now, especially in developed countries. Now, there's some closed places where you, you maybe won't be able to get that. But by and large, especially in our environment, like that is not a, a problem of getting things so that's a big deal. Let's keep going. And, and, and these all really largely fall on God's side and behalf of the relationship, right? What he's doing for us. He's pursuing us. We got the church. God's church is a strong force on earth, okay? Uh, even when it feels like it's being oppressed. In fact, the first few years that after Jesus uh, was on the earth, the church was very oppressed. It was a very small group. They were operating largely underground, Okay? And they were so effective in what they were doing that eventually that blossomed throughout the entire world. And we're still talking about it here until 2,000 years later. Huge amount of influence, right? That's what we're talking about is influence. And um, I know there's a lot of negativity around our church, especially in this country right now. And you look around the world and you say, like, well, we're losing influence. You know, attendance is down. And, and sometimes there, there's a tendency to concentrate on that. But I think um, I have a little perspective, and that comes from uh, you guys all know I'm a coasty, right? I fly the big ugly C-130s that, you know, that fly around. And a few years ago, we uh, 
Jesus Station in Clearwater, Florida. Clearwater is a great, beautiful place, very different than Kodiak, but different kind of beautiful, very populated. If you can go to the next slide. Very heavily populated. So this is a map of Clearwater right here. These are all houses, neighborhoods, uh, malls, all that kind of stuff that you have in a place that has a few million people in it. And this is the, the base that we were stationed at. It's up here. And I used to love actually having duty on Sunday. And it's kind of weird. Why would you want to work on Sunday and miss church? But the cool thing about this, when you got duty on Sunday and you don't have a church unless you church going on that day, you got a morning train going that would go fly for a couple hours. And that's usually you take off about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. You get off for a couple hours. And then you come back. And you come back at right about noon. Right? So what's happening at about noon? Right? Everybody's letting out of church on Sunday at noon. And here's the airport here. So we'd fly down this final approach course right here to go land. But this main road right here is called McMullen Booth Road. It's real crowded. This is a big road, six lanes wide, very crowded. It's handling thousands and thousands of people every day going back and forth to work. So there's about 15 churches there. And these churches are big. Lots of church, lots of people there. And the cool thing about this was those churches had so many people going that you actually, the police had to plan around their day. They had a whole people of police staff that would have to come in just to manage traffic coming out of the churches at noon on Sunday. Okay? Now, when you're sitting at a stoplight and you got to sit behind waiting for the police car that's sitting there, he's got his blue flashing lights on and his barriers with all, you know, the, the orange lights so they can direct traffic coming out of church, it might be frustrating. You're sitting here thinking, oh, this church, they're clogging up traffic. But when you fly over Cops and you watch all of those churches letting out at the same time, and it would flow of traffic, thousands of people, enough so that if the police didn't come and intervene, they would log jam that entire transportation system. It's kind of a different picture. And I used to I used to love flying over this and thinking, if even if just 10, 20% of those people took what they heard today and served and get, went and brought that back to their families, to their work, to their, uh, you know, into their community, man, what a big intervention, right? We haven't even talked about that yet, but it's a huge intervention. That's a lot of influence. When you look out at the big picture, like we complain a little bit about some of our, our friends and neighbors, but God's church is not losing out. A lot of the issues we have are within us, not necessarily losing God's kingdom. Anyway, enough about me. Moving on. Another contribution here. Jesus, all caps, period, mic drop. Could have been done right there, right? I left that till the end, not because it's the smallest amount, but because I want to add emphasis to it, right? So Jesus has a huge amount of influence in our lives. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that anyone who believes in him would have eternal life. Okay? As if nature and society and Bible and church wasn't enough for God to draw us into relationship him, uh, with him, he sent his son in human form with hair and teeth and arms and legs and a smile, just like us, to like hold our hand and show us the way. All right, you guys haven't figured this out yet. Come on. Follow me. Right? And all you got to do is is believe in him, right? It's pretty simple. And a lot of people say, well, but you know what? Jesus lived a life like that. His influence, a lot of people didn't know him. And there's a lot of things that we take for granted in our society that it's actually pointing back to Jesus. I'll use an example right here. If you go to the next slide. So this is uh, the wiki page of a guy named Christopher Hitchens. I don't know if any of you guys ever heard of him before. He's a famous atheist. Um, in fact, he was a really famous atheist several years ago. He died in 2011. 
but he uh, he was one of what they call the four horsemen. He was with uh, um, another guy named Sam Harris, and there was another famous atheist, uh, Richard Dawkins, and these folks were going around. They wanted to minimize the influence of God, belief in God, and religion across the world. And they had thousands of followers. You know, all kinds of big, you know. They'd have big meetings and conferences and debates on the public stage. They're all over YouTube, okay? So this guy died in 2011, and he spent even till his last days, um, you know, wholly against God, right? And this wiki page has, I don't know, several pages worth of his accomplishments. But firstly, I want you to pay attention to this. He lived from 13 April 1949 to 15 December 2011. That's the first thing in his uh, wiki bio. So that means even him, all his accomplishments, we firstly describe them by how many years after Jesus was here did he live, right? That's a big deal. We look over that all the time. Actually, if you were to read 2011, that's A.D., that's actually in the year of our Lord, 2011. That's what that means. There's people who don't like that, and we kind of ignore that. Still going to remain the same. The basis for that is still there. So even if you spend your life questioning against God, you're firstly going to be defined by how many years after Jesus was here. Three years. That's, that's an insult, right? And that's when we're talking about this guy in his 50s, right? 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this. So don't be discouraged. So let's keep going. Now let's. Switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about Bob's contribution, right? Bob's contribution. Well, we've got John 3.16. All who uh, would believe in him would have eternal life. But it, there's got to be more, right? Look, this isn't fair. Look at all God has done coming looking for us. we got to do something. And, I, you know, Jesus spent his last few minutes uh, prior to his death, I think, explaining what's required. Okay? And this is uh, Luke 23, verse 40 to 43. And this is the stage for this is at the crucifixion. He's sitting there next to the, on the cross, next to these two criminals. And they weren't, they were criminals. They were self-admitted criminals. These weren't good dudes who just got wrongly accused. They were next to Jesus on the cross. And one of them was jeering at Jesus and kind of taunting him. And the other looks over and says, rebuking him, don't you even fear God since you're undergoing the same punishment. We're punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Right? So that was Jesus kind of like last, like this is what, this is what you got to do. That guy next to him, that criminal, he said, Jesus did nothing wrong. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He acknowledged right there, Jesus you are God, and through you is how I could get to God, right? And Jesus, wouldn't that be comforting? To just have Jesus turn to you and be like, hey, today you're going to be with me in heaven. Man, wouldn't that be nice? We keep trying to stack on more than that, but this is a pretty clear example right out of the Bible. That guy on the cross, he had like minutes more to live. He couldn't do anything for God or for that relationship on this earth. He couldn't. He was prohibited from it. He was a normal person, right? all that's required of us. So let's keep going. So if we were to look at the whole contribution, just kind of like you're wondering, like, why were we talking about statistics to begin with? What does that have to do with any of this? Well, Elon Musk, just like he is total contribution to the economy, is so big that you could barely see all these other people sitting down here at only $500,000. Very similarly, 
we have this, all that God has done to add up to this uh, relationship with God. If you go to the next slide, it would look something like this visually. Oh, you know what? It's kind of like shrunk down. There's a little sliver over here on the left that shows Bob's belief, but that's actually probably a bit more accurate. I made a little sliver that you could see that's in red, but uh, this is probably more accurate. It's basically invisible. There's so much stuff that God has done for us comparatively. God is almost invisible, but it's still there, and it's holy and awesome. It's what I can give is very small in the whole scheme, but it's still 100% mine, right? So there's some different ways to think about this because you go, well, wait a second. If God did all this stuff, can he even, like, I want to know even more about that. Can he? Like, or did he, sort of like how I, I skewed the game at the beginning, right, when I had the microphone, um, can, can you even have that choice, right? Now, I said at the beginning, this is a relationship. So, yeah, I, I skewed the rules and made sure that we were going to talk about statistics. But you guys had the ability to walk out. If you said, I hate statistics, I'm not with you, you could have gone home. I'm glad you stayed, but you had the choice to do that. So there's a couple different models of, of how this relationship of God plus Bob or us works. And we'll, if you go to the next slide, we'll kind of discuss a little bit of that. So unfortunately, this little left part here is, is cut out a little bit. So up on top, sometimes you'll hear like Calvinism. Kind of what that means is that one, one of the terms for Calvinism is that we aren't, we were chosen by God, and we are not good enough to even make the choice ourselves. When, when presented with the choice of do I follow God or do I follow him, a Calvinist would say, like, you don't even have the ability to choose. God chose you. Be thankful. And that's something certainly that you would be thankful and happy about. But um, on the diagram here, I actually had that in blue because in reality it would be God's choice, not your choice, that little bit there towards the end. Then we have down here where we're talking about kind of the mean between two extremes that we've been discussing, where God's influence is enormous compared to ours, but we still have that little sliver that he, he gave us free will to be able to make that choice. Because I think love, personally, I think love requires, and you know, these are very complex topics. I am not a theologian. There's, uh, this is probably a gross oversimplification, but there's been all kinds of different arguments about all this. Humanity has been trying to figure this out for a long time, hundreds, thousands of years. Okay? So Bob's all of us, right? Bob's, Bob's all of us. So we have, uh, on the bottom, we have a bit more of a, uh, maybe a different look at it, where, well, maybe this isn't fair. We like fairness, right? Most relationships are... Uh, most relationships are a two-way street, so maybe we should go more for this. Maybe this would be like the median view right here, where, well, Bob's beliefs plus his works will kind of meet in the middle with God, right? Now, is that a, is that a reasonable thing? Can we, can we meet God in the middle? When we look at all the stuff that he has done for us, that, that line of arrows and all those huge things, could, could our contributions even be visible? If you go to the next slide. Um, yeah, unfortunately, again, there's this little red sliver you guys can't see, but you add Bob's beliefs plus Bob's works in his life, and it's still almost invisible because God has done so much. And here's the other problem. If Bob is doing works to try and 
enter this relationship with God is kind of a prerequisite. Well, sometimes in our effort to do something good, we screw stuff up, right? Because we're human. And then we put all these little discontinuities in here, all this stuff God has tried to set in place. You go to the next slide. These little black X's, these show all the things that God or that Bob has done in an effort to try and establish that relationship that actually breaks down some of the things God has put in place in nature. Has any of us broken down nature in some way, either intentionally or unintentionally? I think we can agree that humanity as a whole kind of has. Um, but uh, I definitely have too, right? Society, have we done anything within our society individually or even as a group? that is broken down, that makes it more difficult for people in that society to be able to draw that line back to God? Yeah, we have. The Bible, has anybody ever, you know, hijacked a verse with any argument or misconstrued what something meant, taken something out of context just to kind of show it? Probably that's all over the place. Or even just um, misquoted it on accident because we weren't good enough at knowing what it said. probably all are guilty of something like that. Then you look at your church. Have you ever done anything in your church that makes your church less effective at pointing people to God? Yeah, that happens in all of our churches. All imperfect people. And then Jesus. Have we ever claimed to follow Jesus and then done something that makes people go like, well, if he's a Jesus follower, I need to be one because Jesus did that for me. So we've made it tougher for other people to draw that line back to God through our sin. Now, here's the cool thing. Jesus is not only one of those things that sort of draws us into that relationship through his influence on society and our communities and everything. If you go to the next slide, Jesus covers that whole gap and erases those sins. All we need is him to draw that line all the way back onto God. Okay? God didn't just send his son to save us from sin. It wasn't just a thing to influence us. He also paid for our those who are lost. And his system is good enough to cover all that. That's a big deal. Don't let that go unnoticed. So, running out of time here, but if you look to the, uh, if you look to the next slide, we're going to end on this slide, right? Total contribution to the Bob and God relationship. Again, Bob, it's over here. Raise your thing. Hang on to your thing. And hopefully, Hopefully you walk away with this, hopefully a positive thing. You are being pursued. Hopefully this shows that God has done all these things to enter a relationship with you, the two of you, right? He's not this indifferent God sitting back like, hey, I'm God. If you want to come along, cool. But if not, I'm good. It's not like that. He's pursuing you. That's a big difference. That's why, you know, Teenagers break up and get back together all the time. They want to see. They want to see. Is that other? Is that other person? Are they gonna? Are they gonna come back running to me? That's why every movie we have has like a, a romance scene at the end where there's a there's a breakup and then there's somebody chasing the train to tell them they love them. Right? That's built into us. God put that into us. And sometimes a lot of the stuff that He's done goes a little bit unnoticed because it's so big. We just assume it's there because it's in the Word. So hopefully we end on this. In, this. in these times where, you know, the COVID has affected us and it's put at least a temporary hindrance on things like church and society, um, all these things are bigger and longer lasting than the COVID uh, 
price we couldn't go into than some of the stuff that our government's doing with the law of lower 48 nature of our society. God's bigger and, and, and more enduring than that. We can look forward to that in the future. He is pursuing us. Okay? Now, here's the cool thing. I'd like to think of it like uh, Mount Ophedion. All it requires is faith, right? And I'd like to think of it like, you know, this, this faith plus works thing, we're just going to have faith. We're not going to fight it. I think of it more like a reaction in the same way. Once you click that faith box, I believe, then the works is more of a reaction to that, not a creation. And this is the cool part. Once you click that box, you become part of this. You can show people how God has created and made things and point back to him. You can be part of that society that helps redirect things back towards God. You can show people the Bible and share and teach and, right? You can be part of an active church that is driving people and searching for people and grabbing them to point them to God. You can show people Jesus either through your through your actions or through talking to them. You can show them Jesus. So that's the fun part. You get to be part of it. Once you click that faith, I believe box, you become part of the team. And now you become part of these things that God is doing to pursue more boxes. So anyway, hopefully uh, we're about out of time here. Um, Larry will be back in two weeks. Kevin is going to be talking next week about this church portion. All right. And... Uh, We'll close with a song here. I'll close with some prayer real quick. And then we'll uh, stand by based on what our, our church service is going to look like next week. And I think there will be messages out on Facebook that will probably let everybody know. All right? So I'll close some prayer real fast. Dear Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us, for the, just setting the foundation of, of our existence, creating us in the first place and everything around us. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus for giving us this church, this place to live, and all of our surroundings. And just, we ask that you watch over us, protect us, keep us healthy, and uh, keep us energized to go out there and, and to reach other people and win them, Lord.